This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of I Am Gotham. This week, we are doing a special panel episode, and we'll be discussing the animated Batman vs. Two-Face. And joining me on this illustrious panel is my uh, often co-host on this podcast, Mr. Jay Loving from Best of the Rest. What's up? Yes. And of course, no DC discussion would be complete without the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Bell. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) Not Aaron Bell. The, The other guy. What's your name again? Oh, yes. Ronnie Barron! Yeah, I'm on every other podcast that's on this network, so... <laughs> the air... When, uh, when you were doing Jay's introduction, I was on mute, and I'm like, I know he's not talking about me, so <laughs> uh, You know I gotta make fun of you. You're, you're the heir through the, to the throne. When I die, you get all the riches of the Empire. Yeah, so then I can humble brag about servers and (laughs) (laughs) that's right see you get it ronnie that that's why you're my heir anyways let's quit distracting the conversation ronnie we're here to talk about a movie i was here (laughs) we're here to talk about a movie okay not your servers no one cares about your servers ronnie what they care about is batman so we're talking uh batman two-face this is the the last animated film to come out. In my opinion, one of the better ones to come out recently. Uh, we're going to get to some specifics in a bit. But it is the, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the last Batman 66 animated movie. Has that been confirmed or did I just hear fibs? <coughs> I've not heard one way or the other myself. Okay. That doesn't surprise me since Adam's no longer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Adam West... I was going to say, I think, yeah. Yeah, since Adam West passed away, I thought when that happened, um, they started talking about this movie, and they had said it was going to be the last one because uh, Adam was no longer with us. So, I don't know. I mean, dude, with, with technology nowadays, I'm sure they can take sound bites from... The anime, the uh, the original <coughs> Batman sixty six, and the couple of sixty six movies, and make something out of it. But I don't know. I guess we'll find out at some point. I mean, the whole original cast is getting up there anyway, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before we started recording, I was just looked up Julie Newmore. She's eight in her mid eighties, eighty four, eighty six, something like that. Uh, I'm sure Burt Ward's up there, right? Let's see. Seven. Okay, Burt Ward's probably the youngest one. He's seventy-two, and then uh, this is the. This is what makes this movie important, guys. Let's be real. It's the first appearance of William Shatner in a Batman animated movie. <laughs> yes, and which is hopefully the last. And hopefully the last. Really. I, it's he did fine. He did fine. I just uh, Shatner's hit. Or, I don't know. Some things Shatner does. I just absolutely. Love. Some are like. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the thing is, so. Shat- Shatner plays Shatner in everything he does. That's it, exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah, he he's got nothing else but Shatner in him. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this like a lost episode, or based on a lost episode where they cast Shatner as Two Face in the '66 TV show, and then it got scrapped because it got can uh, the series got canceled, and then he also. Um, started doing Star Trek. You are correct. Yeah, yeah you're wow. correct. I did not know that. Yeah, so that that's what's really interesting about this movie. It's the first time Two Face appears in the Batman sixty six universe, um, and it just so happens that it's the exact actor they had chosen to play him. Just that never happened, and I wonder like how that would have changed uh, Shatner's career had he been cast and actually filmed. His episodes of Batman 66. I don't know if it would have. I mean, was because Star Trek was filming at about the same time, I think. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would have been immediately after. But I'm saying, like, Shannon didn't do anything for like years, dude. I know. All he was doing was con circuits. Well, I mean. With the popularity of the original series of Star Trek, do you really need to do anything else? I don't know, man. Like, I'm sure they can't just live off, like, con appearances. You know what I'm saying? And residuals. Right. Like, maybe... Would have gotten, like, typecast, though? He's been typecast. He's always played the same character. Well, that's just because that's he plays William Shatner. But like, even on um, shit, my dad says he was William Shatner. Yeah, he was Shatner in that. Dude, that show yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, that show it was probably hilarious. wouldn't have hurt his career because that was the. I mean, the, the guest villains and plus the you know the ones they had the the open the windows without climbing up the bat ropes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the big names in Hollywood at that time. Wanted, they asked to be on the show. Oh right, right, right. Give me on a cameo. So uh, would have hurt his career by any means. I mean, probably getting some more recognition. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, I, it, it's just interesting, and and I it just makes me wonder what could have been had they actually not canceled the series. You know, right. um, it would have been interesting to see because Two Face has become kind of key. Uh, over the over the years, and and that's something that was never explored in anything but this animated movie. Uh, so it was nice for me to see in that respect, right? Because it's something that I think a lot of fans of the series and just Batman fans in general have always wondered, like, well, what if Two Face had been in that? So, and I, I'm glad they got to make it happen before Adam West passed away. So, yeah, uh, that was cool as well. Uh, now, before we dive deep into this movie and go yes. into it, yeah, um, Jason only one that was able to watch it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I was still, I was not quite because, <laughs> uh, but the show debuted in January of '66. I would have been four years old then. <laughs> I was my parents were still not letting me watch much in prime time. But yeah, as soon as it, I mean it. And I was going to say, I had 
Did you guys like it? Oh God. I don't. I was gonna. I don't want to get into this right now. But I mean, <laughs> you're showing your age, bro. Uh, well, this whole movie—you wouldn't think that this movie, kind of lighthearted as it was, would kind of hit you in the feels. But didn't he? In that very last credit of the movie, where they said, "In memory of Adam West, mm-hmm. rest rest well, bright night." That yeah got me because it's hard for me to explain how important that show to me was as a kid because it, it was kept on 68 but it almost immediately went in syndication yeah right and a local TV show the town where I live played it weekday every weekday afternoon at 4.30 hmm. and I would come home from school do much work rush or whatever I had to get through and watch Batman at 4.30 and I did that every five days a week for years I mean I had whole sections of dialogue memorized right? so I, I don't even know who's to say if I'd even whatever even got interested in comic books if it hadn't been for that show so. and that's the same for me dude like I watched Batman 66 in reruns but no this would have been in the 80s right. um, and I, I loved it I loved it and granted Batman wasn't my first comic but it was pretty damn close and part of the reason I wanted to pick it up was because of Batman 66 watching reruns of that so yeah I mean I think that's something that makes that show special even though it wasn't the best show because let's be let's be real it's 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 kind of crappy Um, but you know what it's super fun it's like Marvel movies nowadays yeah they're kind of crappy but super fun (laughs) formulaic yeah formulaic I'm distancing from that remark but anyway oh it's fine I I don't I don't mind doing it Ronnie doesn't either I know Um, but hey, I'm not a DC fanboy. Okay, that's right. I like Marvel stuff as long as Donny Cates writes it. I knew that was yes. coming. <laughs> so uh, the the other important thing about this film, gentlemen, is that the most important character in the DC universe makes her Batman sixty six appearance. Oh well, that takes my guess away. Because you said her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who were you thinking? It's King Tut, obviously. Well, you know there's a special place in my heart for King Tut. But no, I'm talking about Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Yep. Where's the standing ovation, guys? Uh, I from me. That if you want. So, so I want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the, the plot <laughs> of this movie and how we thought about the movie. Um... Because, I mean, she's a pretty small part in the film. Yeah. yeah. Right? She's she's not even Harley Quinn yet. She's still a doctor. Um, and she... It, the weird thing about it is that she plays Hugo Strange's assistant. Uh, which, I mean, it kind of worked for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it made sense that she was there for that. I don't know. I just felt... Okay, my first thought was, well, they managed to shoehorn her into this a little bit just for <laughs> for recognition because it was it was it was a little more than a cameo. And sure, they could have easily gotten by without that and just be Hugo Strange. But I I think they just I, I really think it was like Harley Quinn is one of our popular properties. We 
Yeah, and I I gotcha, but I think I think it gave it a little something extra. Um, and and what I like about this rendition of of Hugh Strange is that they make him out to be a little more like uh, a mad scientist. Um, which like there's always been that role, but I feel like the Golden Age captures that really well. And you know, a lot of people make fun of Batman sixty six as being super campy and really corny and whatever, but like Batman in the forties was like kind of campy and corny too you know what i'm yeah. saying so it's not like they just brought it out of nowhere um and so yeah. so i thought so you they didn't need to have uh harley quinzel in here um but just like to throw her in as kind of a nod because now she has become such a big part of the universe was cool um and of course it wasn't overdone because she wasn't harley quinn um right so it was it was cool. I thought I thought it was it played nicely, and I think it did give Strange a little something extra. Because um, like that first scene when we beat, meet both of them, like it, that's like full on mad scientist. Yeah. You know, like and like old school mad scientist, where like they're filling up the beakers and like mixing two different things, you know, to make a new potion or whatever. Like I thought that was awesome. So I, I didn't mind the, the Harleen Quinzel stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely shoehorned in. But it was fine. Let's do, a, let's do a quick impressions of this movie before we dive in. Who am I going to impersonate? Well, not Aaron Bell. Oh. Okay. Imp- I, I love the series... So it was great going back to it because, like Jason, it, um, it it took me back to when I was like ten, sitting cross-legged on the floor of my grandpa's house, watching it with him. Mm. For me, yeah, I think that's pretty dead on. That was kind of the impression that I got. I. Uh, the the movie's very short, it's only like an hour and fifteen minutes. But I had so much fun watching it. Um and all the the campiness and corniness that was all there and it it just fit so perfectly together. Um and while the plot wasn't the best, I didn't expect it to be a great plot because like this is what I expected from a Batman sixty six story. And I think it totally nailed that atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. I, it it was extremely nostalgic watching it, and all the things I used to laugh at as a kid, I laughed at here. Uh, one of my favorite things about the show and in this is how everything has to have a label on it. <laughs> yes, it's like you know um, the Doctor Strange machines had evil extractor on it. Yes. And then at the end of it, he did a, a new one that said, new improved evil extractor. <laughs> and when he was talking to Alfred, he's in the Batmobile, and Alfred's on that little TV screen, and it says Alfred Cam. Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's, that's a great, that is great for trying to maintain your secret identity to, on the car, and it's like Alfred Cam on it. Yeah, that was my exact thought when I saw that. That's exactly what they did the show. It, it always made me laugh, and it made me laugh same places here, you know. Well, and it was funny too because when Alfred calls him, it's like incoming call from super secret um, Wayne Manor 
um, hotline or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, if somebody was in this car, like, they would automatically know that Bruce Wayne is Batman because it's incoming call from Wayne Manor. So, right. th- yeah, that was a little odd. You figured, like, he would have a code name for Alfred or something, you know? But, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, who, who else is going to call him at a Batmobile? Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, besides Alfred. That's so. true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. All right, so we'll just get into the plot. Uh, so this introduces Two-Face to the universe, as we said. William Shatner plays Two-Face. And... Uh, Pretty much it's the typical story uh, where Batman or Bruce Wayne and uh, and Harvey Dent are best of friends. And Bruce is very supportive of everything that Harvey does because he's hard on crime. And, of course, Harvey and Batman have a relationship because Batman catches criminals and Harvey, as the district attorney, puts him away. Um, And so that relationship works well in both regards, with the exception being that, of course... Harvey doesn't know that Bruce is Batman. Um, and the relationship is played out really well. And there's actually there's a lot of jokes in here as well with uh, with Dick Grayson and yeah. and Robin, uh, who's played by Burt Ward, just like in the original uh, Batman 66. And like Dick is Dick is completely jealous of Harvey. Right. And the first couple of times that that stuff is hinted at, um, it's just kind of played off. Where he just like does the eye roll or like shrugs off or whatever, um, but I thought it was cool that they actually address it at the end. Um, once they feel like Harvey's kind of been recuperated from his this whole fiasco that happens in this movie, um, Bruce says something to the effect, and I don't know if you wrote the line that or not, Jay. I know you took notes, um, but he says something to the effect of like I'm. You know, kind of like, I'm glad to have my best friend back. But, like, and Dick's, like, look, he just looks away, kind of upset. And Bruce looks at him, and he's like, um, but I couldn't ask for a better one than you. Like, something like that. Something to that effect. Uh, right. And, of course, Dick's, like, super happy, right? Because, yeah. um, like, they have a similar bond as he and, and Harvey do. Uh, but even more, right? Because in real life, that's his ward. Uh, so they have like a weird father-son relationship, uh, but they're also crime-fighting partners, and I think that that was played out really well always in the Batman '66 universe, where uh, Batman is the main guy, but there's a lot of things he couldn't do if Robin wasn't there, um, and that's a callback directly to Golden Age stuff, um, because there's a lot of times where Batman gets knocked <laughs> out. Or, you know, gets tied up by somebody or, like, thrown into the basement. And Robin's the one that uses his detective skills to try to figure out where Batman is and helps him out of whatever trouble he's in. Um, So I thought, like, that was one of my favorite things about this. And I I almost wish they had explored that Batman-Robin relationship more. Um, But with the amount of time the movie had and the amount of characters that were in this movie... That, that probably would have been impossible. Um, and to be honest, it probably wouldn't have fit the the atmosphere that Batman 66 has overall. Right. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I would love to see like that relationship explored more in either an animated movie or like a live action movie or whatever. 
because um, like they never do that and i don't know if they're afraid of like the whole ambiguously gay duo thing or what it is um but like we've only seen that relationship handled in the comics i think i don't think we've ever seen it anywhere else no certainly not to the extent that they do in the comics yeah uh, yeah I, I can't think of anything either that's a missed opportunity dc get on that missed opportunity have donny cates right there uh yes please but I mean, at least in live action, Robin has only has only been in two Batman movies, two very bad Batman movies, because <laughs> he wasn't at all in the Nolan series, and I don't know if they've got any plans for him in the DCEU. Um, yeah, weren't so, we talking about that, Ronnie? Yeah. After yes. Justice League. Yes. Um, and I can't remember what it is that we brought up. Um, do you remember what the question? Because you had a question. Oh, oh no! I know what it was. You were saying um, something about they should have put Nightwing on the team, the Justice League team, and or maybe it was Aaron. No, it was definitely you. Um, and so my, I, so what I said was, well, maybe he's dead in the Justice League timeline because in uh, in Batman Superman you have that scene where the uh, with the suit with the suit and the, the Joker's written on it with uh, spray paint. Um, and so my thought was in in the DCEU, Dick is the only Robin, and Dick is the one that got killed by the Joker. Um, and that's why he could never be in Justice League. Which that's a I still like speculation. that. I still like that theory. Um, just because if, I feel like that makes that, – that explains partly why Bruce seems darker – in the DCEU, because it's been twenty years, and yeah, yeah, yep, and that's why he can't work with anybody, and that's yeah. why that's why he doesn't want to lead the Justice League. That's why he gives it to Diana, right? Um, anyways, I, we're not talking about Justice League. We should, but we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a future episode or so. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, um, all right, we we talk. We they introduce Harvey, all great. Um, Harvey and Batman and Robin meet up with Hugo Strange and his assistant, Dr. Haldine Quinzel, because Hugo Strange has come up with this device, as Jay already mentioned, the evil extractor, uh, that will render Batman and Robin obsolete. It'll render Harvey Dent obsolete because the machine removes the evil from evil villains. So, of course, they need to test out the evil extractor and this had to be like some weird design flow like you know that strange had to have something to do with it because he picked well i mean aside from egghead he picked like heavy hitter villains uh which you would automatically assume like uh these guys are gonna break the machine and that that was my thought when i saw these guys coming out i was like wait joker penguin riddler mr freeze they're gonna break the machine there's the cowboy guy too. Yeah, shame. Oh, shame. that's right, shame. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, no, shame. I thought shame came in at the end. Shame was in the bidding at the end. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he he wasn't okay. in the extractor. The extractor was Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Egghead, and Mister Freeze. Okay. Um, and like I said, I don't know Egg, why Egghead's in there. Egghead's a okay. 
between King Tut and Egghead. Yeah. Those are my two favorite 66 villains. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. I, I, maybe it's because of Vincent Price playing Egghead. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but, yeah. but like, those are my two favorite, honest-to-goodness villains from that series. Wow. Well, my favorite is King Tut, as you know. Because he's Gosh. so outrageous. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah, so outrageous. It's like I know how, it, it's one like that how, creeped me out. Was Mose was Mad Hatter? Oh my god! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. That yep. little, when the lid of his hat came up, and those googly eyes. <laughs> that scared the crap out of me as a kid. Which Mad Hatter wasn't in this, right? No, he wasn't. Because because there was a point when when uh, yeah, it was Clock King. Yeah, which but, I thought could have been Mad Hatter too. Because I was like, oh, that would have been excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was Mad Hatter at first. I was like, well, that's a weird looking Mad Hatter. And then I realized he had the clock on his hat. So I was like, okay, clock king. Um, but anyway, so so Strange uses the machine to extract the evil, and there's so much evil in this villains that it blows up the machine. Um, and when that happens. Uh, the evil sludge that was in this giant <laughs> glass ball uh, sprays Harvey Dent in the face, and that's how he becomes Harvey Dent, or Two-Face, which I thought that was interesting. It made sense. It's a little, it's a it's a little out there. On, yeah, it's a good spin on the origin story. Yeah. Jay, do you have any problems with that? No. It just, I, no, not at all. I did notice one thing that was kind of a, gave me a chuckle was not only was his left side of his face, but the whole left side of his body, because the left side of his face was all that kind of green mangled. Yes. And his left hand was also that same color. So I was like, oh, he's not only two-faced, he's two-hand now as well. <laughs> so that was just a silly thing I thought. No, I didn't have any problem with it. Yeah. Know. Well, and I think they really played off really well the, uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a part of the story, right? Because, um, he uses, uh, King Tut and what's, what's the other, uh, bookworm. Bookworm. Um, he uses bookworm to steal like a rare copy of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is one of the clues for Batman to try to figure out that it is Two-Face and not bookworm. Um, but we're not there yet. Let's talk about King Tut. Ronnie, yes, your favorite villain of all time, aside from Kite Man. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he plays a pretty big part in this. Yes, which was amazing. It was like, hilarious. I wasn't even expecting him to be on this movie, and then yeah, he plays like the opening caper. Yes. If you will. Yeah. Yeah, and what he's doing. It, by the way, that whole plot was really intricate for what the outcome was, right? Because there's this like whole like Egyptian tied uh, like caper, as you said, uh, involving King Tut, and of course he's got his two really dumb henchmen, the Tutlings. Um, there's this whole intricate plot, and he's like robbing the uh, the double decker bus. 
uh, and all this stuff. And, and the whole point of everything that he does is so that he can steal a biplane. Yes. Like, that was the most anticlimactic <laughs> thing ever. But it made but total it, sense. Yeah, it makes sense in this world. Yeah, it made total sense. Um, although I don't understand, like, what the biplane had to do with Egypt. Oh, I know what it was, because since he had the flying machine, he could rule his empire from the sky or something like that, I think. It's something, he said something yeah. like that. Um, but, of course, he's robbing the biplane because Two-Face needs the biplane for something that happens at the end of the movie. Um, and that's when we cut to Bookworm. And I think that whole scene was one of my favorite scenes of the film. Um, like the whole thing where Batman goes in the library and the librarian's like telling him to shush. And of course she's one of Bookworm's tench people. Um, and he goes into like the rare book wing and of course it's titled in giant letters rare book wing because <laughs> we all know every library's got one of those. Right? Um, and Bookworm's in there, and he's he's stealing his books. I can't remember what the books were, but I know that one was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Uh, maybe like Tale of Two Cities. Um, and I don't then remember. There was another one. There, it was three books, I think it was. Um, and then when he's about to, when Batman's about to fight Bookworm, all his henchmen come in, and <laughs> they're about to start fighting, and Batman's like, uh, "Glasses," because of course you can't hit a man with glasses. So. The librarian's like, glasses, and they all take off their glasses in, in synchronously, and they all start fighting Batman. I thought that whole thing was, was pretty funny and well done. Um, because they really played, like, the the stereotypes that each of the villains uh, embody. All the jokes were related to that particular thing when each of those villains came up. Yeah. The, the funny thing that was in that scene, it was when they were in the rare book room, and you you got a couple of Easter egg shots of a spinner rack of comic books. Yes. Over there. Yes. And I wish they would have put like titles on it. It would have been cool to see like some kind of homage to uh, like whatever the actual issues were. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cool to see. Um, or like whatever the first appearance of Bookworm was, or you know things like that. Um, so after these two plots, wait, did you want to say anything about King Tut? Because uh, we kind of glossed over it, Ronnie, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, gloss over your dude. No, I mean, he's pretty straightforward. Anyways. Yeah. Well, there, so. there is, there is a key part of that though. Um, I think the key thing right. with Tut is after he gets arrested, and yeah. they have the yeah. trial. Um, they put Tut on trial. Well, they put the professor on trial, um, and they're trying to argue the side of whether. <laughs> Um, he is in there because he's crazy or like he's actually pretending to be the professor, but he, his personality is really King Tut. Um, that whole thing was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, and they keep smacking him on the head to make him go back. And yeah, that was the best thing. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was such an Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which that, that, that ha- well, actually, I think that's how they let him off, right? Because that happens before he goes to trial. It's when he's being interrogated. Right. Um, and Chief O'Hara right. is the one that's smacking him over the head with a billy club. And finally the lawyer comes in and starts talking about, like, you know, uh, whatever, uh, fugitive abuse or whatever it is, criminal abuse or something like that. 
Um, yeah, that that stuff was pretty funny. I dug that. Um, so after the whole bookworm incident is when Batman figures out Two-Face is behind this. And so he goes to uh, get Two-Face. Um, they duke it out, like, whatever. It turns out that um, he sends Harvey to rehab, pretty much. Um, so he, he gives, he, like, plastic surgery on his face, so he looks like Harvey again. Um, he goes to canceling all that, so the, the Two-Face persona is gone. He's back to being Harvey. Except as all this is happening, like, Two-Face pops up again. And this is when things got really interesting because this is when when Robin starts taking a big part of the movie. Um, because Batman is so convinced that Harvey Dent has been rehabilitated that he thinks that there must be somebody else pretending to be Two-Face. Um, and so he wants to get to the bottom of, well, who is this new Two-Face? Whereas Robin feels like uh, it's obviously Harvey Dent. Like, whatever we did didn't work. Um, and I think that's one of the the more serious parts of the movie. Because um, they, they play, like like I said, the first half of the movie, there's a lot of jokes and whatever. Um, but I think after Harvey's rehabilitation is when things get a little bit serious. Um, and yeah, there's, there's joking still. There's the quirkiness. But... Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'll, I, you know me. I love me some dick. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, so I like, I like when Dick takes center stage, um, because he he's a freaking amazing detective, you know. And uh, a lot of times he gets thrown to the side as a sidekick, but he's not just a sidekick, right? And that's that's why he ended up becoming Nightwing because he wasn't just a sidekick. Um, and I think this movie does a really good job at uh, at showing that. Anyways, yeah. No, no, I agree with you on that. But I also like how it plays up the aspect of the '66 version of Robin as well. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it was a good mixture of both, like integrating the modern version to playing up the campy cheesy lines of the old one as well oh yeah and he does do a lot of the cheesy lines in this movie the... that's right old chum <laughs> <laughs> everything is holy something Batman right yeah yeah um, anyways so they're, Batman and Robin are each doing their own detective work um, and it turns out that they follow Harvey. He follows Harvey into uh, Hugo Strange's lair, uh, where the movie opened up at the Evil Extractor. And Two Face is there, and so is Hugo Strange, and so is a bunch of other villains, as it turns out. Um, so Two Face kind of sets this trap um, and traps Batman and Robin. And ties him up to a giant coin because, of course, right? Um, the giant coin is, is important, right? Like that's in the Batcave. Mm-hmm. So of course it makes sense that that would happen. But but I love the trap, right? So they're tied to a giant coin, but they're the giant coin is sitting on a giant mouse trap. 
and if <laughs> if if the mouse trap goes off, then the giant coin flips, and they land on like giant nails. You know, um, it, it was very like uh, what's that the Rube, Rube Goldberg machine? Um, it's very much like that, and and all that quirkiness is something that gets played a lot in in Batman sixty six and in Golden Age stories as well. Like right. when they when they go into the casino uh, to do to investigate because uh, that's Two Faces Casino, and they land on that giant billiards table. Um, oh yes. Yes. I th- that was pretty comical, and <laughs> Robin has to say, "What? Uh, what? What enormous ball!" Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, right. That's a you know four year old joke or a six year old joke right there. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, but it's funny too that like they would have this giant billiards table inside a casino. Well, I also thought that was might have been an homage to Bell Finger. Oh yeah. One of the thing, one of the things that Bill Finger did, uh, some of the early Batman stories, is he would have them fight on top of, like there was one, there's a cover of one of the Batman where they're, where they're on the, they're literally standing on the keys of this gigantic typewriter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I may be making more out of it than it intended, but I thought, because eh, that kind of reminded me of some of those stuff because he would do that on occasion. Yeah, that yeah. was his his first notoriety as a Batman writer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, publicly notarized, anyways. Sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, um, anyways, they're 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 kidnapped, and Two Face starts holding an auction with all the villains that are there. So Shame is there, Clock King's there, Joker, Freeze, um, Riddler. Who am I missing? Penguin's shame. there. Yep, shame. Penguin. I think that's it. Um, that song, remember? I didn't write down all yeah, the names. Sure that's it. Yeah. So they start bidding on who gets the right to unmask the Batman, um, and of course, kill him after. And there's a whole bidding back and forth until Catwoman shows up. And we haven't talked about Catwoman at all yet. Um, and I, I want to wait a little bit on that. Um, so I'll bring her up now, but I want to come back to Catwoman. And uh, Catwoman gets in on the bidding because she and Batman have been seeing each other, and she kind of wants to help him out. Uh, so at the end, I believe it's the Joker decides that they should just quit fighting about it, pool all their money together, and that way they can all unmask and kill the Batman. Um, so for some reason, they just have $10 million in cash in their pockets, uh, and they must all be like ten thousand dollar bills because the stack was pretty small. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they all end up fighting, and you know Batman and Robin end up getting away uh, and go after Two Face. Then you have the final showdown between the two. Um, two Face is defeated, and then he goes back into rehab. And then I think at the end, it's six months later, and uh, Two Face or Harvey is doing a, a fundraiser for uh, most eligible bachelor, like auctioning uh, for a charity. Well, it was a twin charity, right? I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if they said it. No, uh, yeah, it, it was something like the uh, something. I don't remember the name of it. 
some charity for fraternal twins. Oh yeah, it was fraternal. No, no, it wasn't for fraternal twins. It was for a, a charity uh, to benefit the ugly twin of right. of two twins. Right. Because like, there's always an ugly twin and a beautiful twin, and ugly twins shouldn't get mistreated because they're ugly. Like something like that. That happens like somewhere in the middle of the movie. Um, and they don't say what the charity is at the end, but I assume it's the same charity. So it's this charity for ugly twins. Um, and of course, he uh, Batman comes out to auction himself off because, uh, of course, it's going to get them a bunch of money. Um, but at the end, they he does wonder right whether Harvey remembers that Bruce is Batman because before the auction started with all the villains. Uh, Two-Face does unmask Batman, and so he knows who he is. Uh, but it seems like, at least as of the end of this movie, M- Harvey is maybe cured and doesn't remember that Bruce is Batman. Right. Did you guys yeah. get... Yeah, okay, so we, we all yeah, agree I, on I, that. Yeah, I kind of, that. Yeah, I think. So. Yeah. All right. Before we get to Catwoman... Any thoughts on anything that we've discussed so far? Nothing that differs from what you said, or really. Uh, it's, like I say, it's it's kind of a the plot kind of gets a little bit intricate at places, but then it gets thin at places. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, which you know, I did not go into this expecting a heavily plotted. <laughs> <laughs> show because I'm like okay if this is anything like the Batman 66 TV show and I'm I have not read any of the Batman 66 comics so I don't know what they're how they're doing it but yeah I mean you had to go into this thinking it was going to be something a little goofy at times and and that's what I wanted I mean I really wanted it to be reminiscent of the show mm-hmm. Ronnie yeah that's pretty much the same thing like um i wanted to go back to that time when i was watching it like episodes for the first time Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. and even like the rope climbing up the building yes that's awesome you know and then you know seeing your favorite villain in there when you weren't expecting it, that was pretty cool too. I probably screamed like a schoolgirl. <laughs> um, you know, and just like the little things, like you said, like flipping on the coin because it's that universe, that campy, crazy universe. Or when they're punching people and you actually see the pow and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just echoing everything you two just said so good job Ronnie you're welcome you get an A for effort (laughs) another another thing I noticed I thought was kind of funny they did a little bit of a turn on with Aunt Harriet because in the TV show every time that they'd get a call you know on the bat phone Bruce would say something like well uh, real dick it's time to go on another or or try to go fishing or something I always had something you know they were going to go do Mm -hmm. and of course Harriet and Harriet was always oblivious. She accepted everything they said. Yeah, right. There was one scene when they were getting was before they went to that uh, party on the double decker bus, where 
Batman and the guy got a call and they're going to go. And she makes a joke. and goes, must be getting ready to go on another one of their fishing trips. And she kind of winks and nudges Alfred. So this Harriet is not being fooled at all. She knows something is going on with, with this, which I thought was a clever kind of turnaround mm-hmm. from the TV show. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, what, what? When did the last episode of Batman sixty six come out? Nineteen sixty eight. Sixty eight. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure that out because uh, I thought it was interesting that they had uh, Alfred and and Anne Harriet in here. Um, because in in the comics that was like a whole weird thing. Uh, like Anne Harriet came in. I think it was either right after or right before Alfred got killed. Um, but she pretty much played the Alfred role for a couple of years. And then she ended up getting killed off, if I'm not mistaken. I think she had a heart attack or something when they brought Alfred back. Um, and I think that was around the time of the show because I think Alfred in the comics got killed in like 65 or 66. Um, and then he came back in 68. I don't um, remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the issue numbers or anything, but I just find that interesting that it, it coincides with uh, with when the TV show was out. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah, the show ran from January of 1966 to March of 68. Okay. All right, let's look at... Yes? No, I was just saying to coincide with that that means that the first original series star trek was september of 66 so it they would have ran like parallel oh, and right, i think right. that's and i think that's one of the reasons why they never got to do this episode because shatner was always filming that also yep. makes sense makes sense all right so let's talk about catwoman thoughts on this relationship like well, I guess I should talk a little bit about it because we hadn't discussed it at all. Um, so when when the movie starts, Catwoman's in jail, and Batman goes to see her in jail. He hangs out, you know, outside the the bars on the window, um, and they chat and whatever, flirt, and then he leaves. Um, and I think uh, the reason that Catwoman ends up escaping from jail is because Batman's supposed to go see her and he never shows up. And she's like, that mother effer stood me up. I'm going to go see what's going on. So she breaks out of jail. Um, how how'd you guys feel about the way that the two interact in the, in the movie, the two characters? It wasn't much different than the TV show. Yeah. A little bit more overt. Uh, they're, they're, in the TV show, they're a little more subtle about it, but there's always they played up you know that attraction that they had mm-hmm. for each other yeah well and, and I, li- just- I like that she became a central uh, character in the plot right because if it wasn't for her they wouldn't have gotten out of that giant coin that sounds yeah. so weird to say <laughs> <laughs> I-, I thought it was great that because that's where we first see Robin being jealous too, right? Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah, he's waiting outside by the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, and um, I thought it was cool that they picked the Julie Newmar 
Batgirl for this one. Hmm. Is that a, yeah, Eartha Kitt's version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that was, um, it, it was, you know, they showed the, the thing, but it was still the campiness there because she was like, uh, he was asking, is there anything I can do for you? And she said, and she said, you can get me out of, you know, open these cage doors. And Batman says, and they will in 37 more reformative months. <laughs> it's just straight out of the TV show. I mean, and, uh, but you know, you know, they, they sent the same kind of relationship. There's one episode in the TV show where Catwoman at the end jumps off the side of a, they're at a big, large pier, ocean pier. Mm-hmm. And she, she jumps off the side, quote unquote, ostensibly killing herself. And Batman reaches out for her and he grabs her and all one of her gloves comes off in his hand. And he looks over the edge and you can't, of course you can't see her. There's just the water below. Sure. But then he takes the, the glove and he starts dabbing at his eyes like he's dabbing tears away. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Wasn't the Julie Newmar Catwoman the one that had the intimate relationship with Batman on the show and yes. the other one did not? Yes. And, and I think that's what they hint at in that breakout scene. Um, because, uh, the, the other district attorney, the one that was defending King Tut, um, or, yeah, defending King Tut on the, no, she wasn't, she was the, uh, the prosecutor. Um, she goes to see Catwoman, and because Batman hadn't been there, she somehow entices her, oh, cause the cat shows up. Yeah, the cat, her, one of Catwoman's cats show up, and I guess has some kind of, poison in her claws and so the uh the prosecutor gets knocked out and catwoman escapes put her in the catwoman uniform in the cell and then catwoman leaves dressed as the prosecutor um but i think that's one of the things they play out at because when the prosecutor finally wakes up and she she's like yelling and screaming for the uh the guards to let her out um and of course they make fun of her because she's dressed up as catwoman so they just think it's catwoman um yeah, it, it, they almost hint like, oh, like now I'm Catwoman, right? So like maybe she likes being Catwoman, and I thought maybe that was somehow a reference to the fact that in the TV show uh, they had switched Catwomen uh, partway through the series. Um, I, I could just be reading too much into it, but no, that makes sense to me. Yeah, now that you bring that up, because I didn't even look at it in that perspective. Yeah. So interesting. Um. So so I I really enjoyed it, and I agree with you. I think it it played off well with the way that it was done in in the original series, um, and I I was glad that I enjoyed it because you know like that that things come up when like I talk to Daryl about the current run, um, like he he just seems to think that I hate Batman and Catwoman being together, and that's not at all what it is. Um, I just I, I love the way that the relationship played out in this film because um, they they obviously have a love for each other right um, but at the same time like he he's on the side of the law and she's not and they I think both understand that um, so it played off well I, uh, I I really dug that relationship um, 
And just like I would love to see a, a, a Robin and Batman movie where they explore that relationship, I would love to see them do one with him and Catwoman. Um, but again, I don't know if they're going to continue doing these uh, Batman 66 films or not. Yeah. I would I would almost want them not to. Yeah. Yeah. Because there just, was a couple... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's just a couple moments in that... A couple of scenes that were just kind of a little bit saddening because a couple of times you could hear a quavering in Adam West's voice. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. And you could tell that, that, that this leukemia, the disease that was starting to get to him. You know, he was... And that was just kind of... Uh, it's kind of a downer <laughs> to hear that. Mm-hmm. But, so, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like, no, he's gone. He was he was Batman 66. So let's put that to rest. Yeah. You can still do it in the comics because you don't have to have voiceovers. But, you know, as far as any animation, I think, yeah. Certainly, I wouldn't think they would do it for a long time just out of respect. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So if they yeah. do another one, it may be two or three years down the road before they attempt to do it again. Yeah. yeah, which I highly recommend both of you, the Batman sixty six comic book, because it's pretty close to the same vein. If you haven't read it, I haven't read all of them, but I read some of them. Um, what was the one with uh, the Avengers? What's that one called? What? You know what I'm talking about? The 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 late the, the the Avengers, not the Marvel Avengers. The UK Avengers. The, yeah, the UK Avengers. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then there's crossovers too, like you said. But most of it's like team up type things, mm. like uh, Mrs. Peel and whatever. I can't think of as a guy's name, but and I think there's a Green Hornet one. I like and, the Green Hornet. Yeah, I love the Green Hornet in the '66 TV show. Yeah, because hmm. Kato showed up. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. I don't think I ever got that. Yep. Hmm. Actually, newsflash: I didn't even need an, a podcast or Nerdy Legion to listen to before I went to Amazon and bought something because I was <laughs> half, halfway through this movie. I went on and bought the collection the Blu-ray collection. Nice. Very nice. So. Uh, cool. Let's do uh, final thoughts. I uh, I thoroughly enjoy this. Um, had I had the time to watch it multiple times, I totally would have. Um, but I didn't, so I just watched it once. But uh, it, w- it I think this was the best animated DC movie of at least the past year, uh, if not more. Um, and I, I just loved it. I just loved it. I wanted more, and I know we're not going to get any, and that's fine. But uh, this is well worth picking up. And I think you can buy it for like ten bucks on like Amazon or Google Play, whatever, if you want a digital copy. So uh, yeah, this was awesome. Jay. I it was it brought back so much nostalgic of the TV show in it, and I think they. It was obvious that the creative staff 
knew the show. Hmm. You know, they'd, they'd watched the show and, and really understood what it was about, and I think they captured all of the essence of it uh, really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, how it ranks with the others, I don't know how you would say best or not, but I mean, it, it's one of my, I enjoyed it very much. One of the more enjoyable animated films. Agreed. Ronnie? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's a panel sweep, I guess, because <laughs> for me, um, I really enjoyed this nostalgia going back factor mm-hmm. compared compared to the other animated movie that we did together. Yes. Um, even though I did enjoy that in the animated series, but like this one, I literally felt like a you know watching the old series again, and like you guys just said, it captured everything from the old series. Um, I wish that we would have had Mad Hatter and Riddler more in it, but you know, just to throw them in cameo style or whatever. Sure. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, uh, to to be honest, Riddler was kind of a douche in this one, and I think one of the, my favorite parts of the movie was when when the Penguin and Joker just like brush him off because he tries to make a joke, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. funny, and then they're like, "Ugh, this guy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to bring up there is a bros before hose joke in this movie. <laughs> Yes. Yes, there is. Um, and I don't remember the exact line, but it's when when Batman decides he's going to cancel uh, his date with Catwoman, and he's going to go after Two Face, and he's on the bat phone with Alfred, and Alfred says something to the effect of, "Oh, so it's uh, friends before like female acquaintances, so something like that, something very British and proper." But uh, yes. as soon as he came up, I was like, ah, yes, bros before hoes. I got gotcha, you, Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, it. Pick this up now. Get it. One Absolutely. thing before we sign off, though, because I've said my favorite 66 villains. Martin, you said yours. Mm-hmm. Jay, you haven't said yours. Ah, my favorite, gosh. Um, wouldn't say the Joker. Well, I like the Joker, but I didn't really like Cesar Romero's Joker all that well. Yeah. Um. Gosh. I like the bookworm. I always, I, as a kid, I wanted that fedora with a lamp on it. I thought that was really, <laughs> really cool. I uh, can Catwoman. Yeah, Catwoman is definitely one of my probably. If I had to pick two favorites, you'd be one and. Um, the Julie Newmar Catwoman? Julie Newmar Catwoman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the kit did too much rolling of her R's. Perfect. Perfect. And all this. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, and I don't know if I say, he wasn't a favorite uh, necessarily, but the one that gave me the creeps was the Mad Hatter. I mean, that just really <laughs> freaked me out when he. Yeah. Come on. Mm hmm. Well, I guess uh, we should wrap this up because this episode is almost as long as the movie itself. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we don't record like you guys over there talking in an hour about a two-minute trailer. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, debating 
I know, I know, I know. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. I think the next animated movie is uh, Gotham by Gaslight, which is one of my all-time favorites. And I hope they do it justice. I know Ronnie already had initial thoughts on it <laughs> based mm-hmm. on the trailer. Uh, we're not going to talk about that now. When that movie comes out, we'll, uh, we'll get the gang back together. And I'm sure Aaron will want to join for that one. Uh, and we can discuss that. But until then... You can find Jay on Twitter at JForgets or at BOTR Comics for the Best of the Rest podcast, an indie comics podcast. Uh, Ronnie is at Rumbar316. He is on Absolute DC and Aftershock Central and Ultimate Marvel and uh, Podcast of a Thousand Holds. And what am I missing? You're in like 300 open podcasts. Bar. Oh, Open Bar. And then, of course, you can find me at Geekvine. And uh, nerdylegion at gmail.com is the email address. And that'll wrap it up for us this time. And we'll be back in a few days. Holy end of episodes, Batman. <laughs> <laughs>